Let's take a moment to ask Lord, the Lord's blessing again on his words this morning. Father, we ask that your spirit may be at work in us as he worked in the hearts of people to inspire the word of God so that it may be a blessing to your people and a glory to your name. Fill our hearts, Father, with the light of the gospel by the enlightened work of the Spirit. We pray these things for the sake of Jesus. Amen. We're going to be taking a look again at John chapter 6. If you're visiting, we've been looking at John 5 and 6 as we have been anticipating a, a focal kind of celebration on the coming of Christ at Christmas time. Uh, and we're looking today at John chapter 6, 16 to 21. I also wanted to read that portion that we just sang from Psalm 107, because that also, as the word uh, interprets the word, uh, it also sheds some light on what we're looking at today. So I'd like us to look at Psalm 107, first of all, if we could, and look at verse 23, and then we'll read a 32, and then we'll read from John 6. 16 to 21. So let's start then with a, with Psalm 107, and we'll start with verse 23. There it says to us, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths, their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. And then from John chapter 6, we read these words in verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So we thank God for his word today. May it indeed be a blessing for us, having read it and having it ministered to us this morning. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, our boys and girls know what it is like at times to try to walk around with their eyes shut or their eyes blindfolded. It can be a very strange feeling. It can be a very insecure feeling that way. You don't know what you're going to be running into. You don't know if you're going to be running into some kind of object. You don't know if you're going to be falling into some kind of, uh, of pitfall, some kind of pit, some kind of hole. It can be dangerous. 
And if you get up in the middle of the night, and that's true for anybody, it doesn't matter if you're familiar with your house or not, you can be a little bit groggy, and one of the first things that is, and maybe you won't always do it because you don't want to wake everybody up, but if you're trying to get around, it makes a lot of sense to put on a light. Because you don't want to stub your toe, you don't want to make noise, you don't want to fall down stairs, you don't want to run into anything. We, of course, also talk about being in the dark when it comes to spiritual things, uh, especially when we're dealing with things that uh, we don't know about. We want to be enlightened. We want to know what things are all about. Fill me in. We don't like to be in the dark about things going on. We don't want people telling us, well, you, you seem like you're a person under a rock. You're in the darkness. You, you have no understanding about what's happening uh, around us. Well, the scriptures speak about being in the dark. Uh, they speak about the darkness. And it is often referring to the spiritual darkness, the darkness of sin and death. Darkness where we don't know what is the right thing to believe or the right thing to do or the right way to go. When we're in darkness, we just carve our own path and hope for the best. It's a darkness that aligns itself, though, when we take that approach. It aligns itself with the chaotic, with the evil, with the demonic. It's dangerous. It's gloomy. It's dismaying. It's filled with uh, distress and danger and really, to be honest, defeat. But when Jesus Christ came into the world, he comes as the light of life, shining in the darkness. He's the solution to the darkness. He comes, like John says at the beginning of his gospel, as the word who became flesh, whose glory we beheld the glory of the one and only Son of God who's filled with grace and truth. In other words, he comes as that glorious God who displays and shines forth God's covenant, steadfast love and faithfulness that reaches to the sky. Well, in our passage this morning, what we're seeing here, in essence, is that light dawning upon the disciples as Jesus walks on the water. And it's that light that the dark world needs, as is evident as these disciples are in the darkness. It's a light that brings life to us in faith. It's that light that displays Jesus Christ as the divine shepherd of his sheep, bringing so much that only God can provide for his people, like we read or sang just a moment ago, that only God can deliver. That this passage where Jesus walks on the water is teaching us that a light has dawned can be understood if we seek to answer three questions. When does it happen? Or where does it happen to start with? When does it happen? And then also, how does it happen? So we're going to try to answer those questions this morning, and we pray that it'll be to our benefit, God's glory, as we do so. So first of all, we want to answer the question, where does the light dawn? 
The obvious answer to that, I suppose, would be that it happens on the sea. And that's true, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. Maybe it doesn't look so obvious because you don't see any, any words in here that speak about light. Uh, but a bit more specifically, it's, it's happening on the way to Capernaum. It's happening on the way to Capernaum. When evening came, his disciples went to the sea, got into the, a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. And by the time the passage is over, they finally get there. But it's what we see in between that's so significant. But also what we see here about their destination. Now, now maybe that doesn't seem very important that they're going to the Capernaum, but the Apostle John thought it was enough to mention it. In fact, John's the only one, the Apostle John's the only one who mentions this episode when he's talking about the walking of the water. None of the other gospel writers mention it. Now, Capernaum was located on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. And it was in the area, it was in the area of Naphtali Zebulun. Those two tribes of Israel. And it's been seen as a kind of headquarters for the ministry of Jesus. But why was it such? Well, Matthew says in his fourth chapter that Capernaum was chosen uh, as a fulfillment of Isaiah 9. Land of Nebulun, Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness or walking in darkness, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And, and that comes to us from Isaiah 9. Now according to the blessing, now this is an interesting, I think it's interesting, is that according to the blessing of Jacob back in Genesis 49, 13, you recall all those blessings that Jacob gave to his 12 children, Zebulun was supposed to be a haven for ships. A haven for ships. But without Christ's coming, without Christ's light here, there would have been no haven for this ship. There would have been no rest for these men. Without the light that this shepherd would bring, there'd be no guidance for these men at sea. Even though they're heading for Zebulun. Now according to 2 Kings 15.29, Naphtali was the first to experience invasion by the forces of Assyria. They had certainly known darkness. The people walking in darkness. Naphtali... Zebulun had known it. You remember Barak from the days of Deborah. He was from, he was from the, the tribe of Naphtali, and his name meant lightning bolt. And so there was a measure of light during the days of Deborah and the judges, but it is in Christ's coming that a permanent new day dawns for good. Without the light of Christ, there's no safe haven for anyone. 
There's no mercy, direction, deliverance, peace. We remain a people walking in darkness, and that's it. But when our faith is in Him for salvation and direction, He becomes, like we see here of these people, their joy, their glad, their peace. Because in Him the light we need is dawn. Where and when that light dawns, comes together in the sight of Christ walking on the water. The sea has a lot of symbolic and historic weight tied to it. Moses took his shepherd's staff, we read in Exodus 14, and he spread his hands over the Red Sea. And by the power of the Lord, then it divided. Right? The boys and girls know the story about the dividing of the Red Sea in the days of Moses. And then that God's people could cross it on dry feet to the other side. They could get to the other side. The sea was a dreaded place. Certainly, biblically speaking, it was that way. Especially in the darkness. Because it was just associated with chaos and death. And sure enough, our passage shows us that the winds begin to blow. And the waters become rough. And this would make the crossing of Christ's disciples to the other side of the sea virtually impossible. And then you add to the scene the fact that it was evening when they went down to the boat, we read. And then seemingly, redundantly, John adds, it was dark. <laughs> well, that's what you'd expect when it was evening, wouldn't you? It was dark. And Jesus had not yet come to them. That's put in there together as an association. Now, isn't that a proper association? It was dark because Jesus was not yet with them. Now, think about how dark it would have been out on that lake, especially since they were about halfway out. It says they had been going for three or four miles already. I can remember in the days when we were living in Chicago that a lot of people liked to flock to Chicago and see the Christmas lights. In fact, I know that even some of my own children, they were thinking uh, yesterday they were, they were going to go out with some of the grandkids and they were going to go out for something to eat. And then there was talk about them going to the Brookfield Zoo because they put out a lot of lights out there. And that's just one place where you could go and and see the flood of lights during the Christmas season. But when you're heading out there, and if you're out on Lakeshore Drive, which is on the, the east side there of Chicago, you can look out to Lake Michigan, and you see a tremendous contrast. You've got all these people flocking into the light, and you look over to the east, and I think I might have said that was out on the west side, it's actually the east, Lakeshore Drive is on the east side of Chicago. But you're looking out to the east of Lake Michigan, and it's just pitch black dark. And you see everybody over here in Chicago, and they, they see this as a, as a place to which they, they can be drawn. And you look over there, you don't see anybody. Nobody wants to be out there. And if you look at it, you just think about that for a moment and say, you know, I might want to go out there when it's in July, and I'll go out there 
and, and uh, like some people do on sailboats during the day, but there's nobody out there now. Nobody wants to be out in the darkness. Nobody wants to be out on that water now. It's foreboding. It's dangerous. It's unattractive. It's just kind of dismal, to say the least. Now think about how dark it was here. It certainly would have been that way in Jesus' time. How are you going to find your way? This is a stark contrast that's established when Jesus comes on the scene. But the disciples are frightened when they see him. And why are they frightened? Well, they're frightened in part because they're in the dark. They're in the dark. I mean, why is anybody frightened unless they're concerned that something bad is going to happen to them in the darkness? There's a lot of bad things that happen in the darkness. And that's what they're afraid of. Israel was afraid once upon a time when they faced the water on the one side and the Egyptians, the enemy, on the other side. And they thought they were caught between a rock and a hard place. And they weren't even in the water yet. But to them, it was like enemies all around. And the disciples must have felt that way too. Thought that way. Exodus 14 tells us that when Pharaoh drew near the people lifted up their eyes, and behold, the, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. But Moses told them not to fear, and to stand firm, and to see the salvation of the Lord, which he would work for them that day. And it's that point that the Lord, it's at that point that the Lord tells Moses to lift up his shepherd's staff and stretch it over the sea. And divide it so that the people could go through the sea. And that happens. Psalm 77 recalls that moment, that shepherding moment. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. And yet your footprints were unseen. And you fed your people like a shepherd by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Ezekiel 34.12 reflects what's happening here too. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from what? From all the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Isn't that exactly what the Lord is doing here for those disciples in John 6 as the good shepherd that he was? And even more so in John 23, 44. It was now the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and he cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
Who else is master of the sea but God? Who alone can walk on the water? Except God. Who else delivers God's people? Except God. Who else can be the light in the darkness? Except for God. Who else could shepherd his people as they needed to be shepherded? Delivered from death and evil? Except for God. Psalm 80 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine. Let it shine that we may be saved. That's what Jesus is doing. It's, it's this one then who fed the 5,000 with the loaves. That's the good shepherd, Psalm 23. Who else could this be but the shepherd of Israel, the light who shines in the darkness? It's the one who brings forth a new day, a new creation, a new hope for his people. Who else could be that light for you or for me, for your salvation? for the direction that you need for life in a world that shows forth its darkness so starkly. Whether it has to do with your marriage, your work, your relationships with one another, the trials of life that you face, who else can be that light except Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Oh, that's what the disciples discover here. Perhaps we've gotten a bit ahead of ourselves, but when we ask the question, how, how does he shine as a light? He certainly does by walking on the water. But he calms the hearts of those in the darkness. And he does it by his word saying, it is I. Don't be afraid. And see what we're seeing there again? we got a world that's out there that wants to look at it in the darkness. And that's what the disciples wanted to do. But the disciples get counseled by the word of Christ. And that changes everything. When you look at your world, and you look at your circumstance, not through a shuck Bible, but by an open Bible, and you see things in the world, and you see things in your life in accordance with the Word of Christ. That's what's happening here. And Jesus says, it is I. Don't be, don't be afraid. Now, now, sure, he's telling people, don't worry, it, it, it is I, it is Jesus. But for us as readers, John is telling us more than that, and really Jesus is telling his disciples that too. Because literally what Jesus is saying to them is this. This is what he literally says to them. He says, I am. I am. The original language says, ego, a me. You know, you've heard of ego. That's, that's the, the, the first person singular 
in the Greek language, meaning I. And then Amy means I am. So it's a real stress on the idea that I am is the reason why you shouldn't be afraid. I am delivers you. I am saved you. Who shall I say sent me, says Moses? Tell them I am has sent you. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the good shepherd. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine. The disciples were beholding, like Moses did, the glory of the Lord. I am. It's delivering you. Don't be afraid. Since this is God, the Word made flesh dwelling with them, they don't need to fear. It was dark without Him, but it's glorious light with Him. And so they can be at peace because God is with them. And isn't that the most important thing that you and I could ever know? God is with you in Jesus Christ. Terror is replaced with peace. Defeat is replaced with victory. The mighty God has come. Grace has come as in the day of Midian's defeat. A better one than Moses or Elijah has come. They both split water. This one walks on it. The shepherd has come to rescue his sheep. To lay his life down amidst the darkness only to take it up again. And yes, he is that king. He's the shepherd king even though the people, even as people thought him to be in verse 15, but his kingdom would be like no other, reigning forever and ever. It's he who enables us to cross the waters of death so we get to our destination. That we can arrive on the other side alive. And that's what happens when we are a new creation. Because of the light that has come. And that's why we're to find in Jesus Christ the one true light for our life. Nobody else can save. Nobody else can direct us. And apart from him, all is darkness for us. And we see that in the world around us, don't we? And if we're apart from Christ, that's what's going on in our lives. But in Him, we've got the light for our lives. And so does everybody else who believes the message that the light of the world is Jesus. Or may we see Him as the one who's, who's brought about a new day and a new creation to dawn in our lives. Through the spreading of the gospel, may others become new creatures as well in Christ by that light. By, by God's grace, let there be light where there once was only darkness. When Jesus wasn't there. But no wonder, like the psalmist says, and that you could say as well, when you know that Jesus is there for you, 
you've got every reason to give praise to your God. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And we're grateful, Father, that where there was darkness, the light has dawned. And we're grateful, Father, that Jesus Christ shows himself to be that one greater than Moses, greater than Elijah, the one who fulfills the law and the prophets, the shepherd of his people, shining forth so that they might no longer walk in darkness, but may walk in the light of life that Jesus Christ provides. Lord, may we be reminded again then of that light and how that affects the way we look at the world, look at ourselves. When our rest is in the gospel word of Jesus Christ, the great I am that he is. We find our Bibles open and not shut. We would not find ourselves following the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of the word that lights the pathway for us so that we might live, Lord, not only as those who have come to know the light of Christ, but that we might be the light of Christ every single day that we live. May you accept our prayers for the sake of Jesus.